There's no problem because one of those lights I can turn right on red. But on the way home, it's, uh, it's a catastrophe. I mean, the first light, and I know you may not know Wald Lake, but the first light is at Pontiac Trail and Wald Lake Drive. And sometimes the sensor, you know, is a little slow. And so you can sit there for like two minutes. <laughs> so I discovered that you can... Uh, the, right there, that intersection is formed by just a partial city block. So before you get to the light, if you make a quick right, turn left, get out on Pontiac Trail, then you can turn right on Wald Lake Drive and save like 30 seconds. <laughs> then when you get to Ladd and Maple, Ladd and Maple, the sensor there is difficult too, and Maple's a busy, busy street, and so you can, you can sit there forever. So... At night, you know, when there's no traffic, I can get to the intersection. I can put my five-speed in neutral, pull on the parking brake, take off my seatbelt, run out, push the crosswalk button, get back, put on my seatbelt, release the brake, and put the car in gear just about the time the lights turn in green. It's great. And so now, 30 seconds at Pontiac Trail and 30 seconds at Maple, I'm home a minute sooner. So Jeff, Jeff contacts me and says, would you be interested in uh, doing one of the sessions? I said, I'd be honored to do that. And I told my, my, uh, my wife, and, and um, then, you know, it took Jeff forever to get back to me. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like it had to be, you know, days or hours, I don't know. So I was sitting at supper table, and uh, said, Jeff contacted me, gave me my uh, topic. She said, yeah, what is it? And I said, patience. And she went, <laughs> and my boys started laughing. And, and my wife says, no, seriously. And I, I said, yeah, it's a patience in light of the cross or the gospel or something, I don't know. And so, you know, here I am. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, good. Give me a chance to learn a little bit. So, James says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, those of you who just started turning to James, I didn't tell you to turn to James, just relax, okay? You know, <laughs> Don't get ahead of me here. This is patience in light of the cross, and if... The glory of God shines brightest at the cross, then perhaps it shines both backward and forward. And so let's just take a minute to think about the Old Testament and the patience in the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple of terms. You can, I think there's an outline in your, your folder there. You can fill some things in. And uh, we will be looking at some passages of Scripture um, uh, in a little bit, but patience in the Old Testament, some terms, long-suffering, and we would expect that, and depending upon what translation of the Bible you use, uh, long-suffering, uh, we also see slow to anger. Uh, we, we don't see the word patient used as a noun. We do see it used as an adjective, though, and let's think about some examples, and uh, you just jot down some of the references, and, and you can... Um, look some of them up later. We will be turning to some, but of course, as we think about Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, 
The Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. God is long-suffering. And this list here in Exodus 34, 6 is a partial list of God's attributes, which means then that godliness includes patience. To be godlike is to be patient. And so we need to understand that. And if we think about, well, we expect that God would be patient. But as far as humans go, the obvious Old Testament example of patience is, is Noah. And God says, build me a boat, a big boat. And 120 years of blisters and splinters, uh, 120 years of nagging neighbors asking, when are you going to move that thing? 120 years of them thinking about property values declining. And OSHA, I mean, Josh said I'm supposed to say something about how the Word of God impacts our daily lives. So that's it right there, property values. You know, that's, that's the statement you know, there to, to, to appease Josh. Um, but th the fact is, God says, build this boat, and Noah, he gets to the task, and it's 12 decades of OSHA and, and 120 years of asking the union for concessions. That's, well, that, that's New Testament, probably. Um, but what about David? I mean, David... He's the guy who wrote, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. But he's also the guy that got Uzzah killed because he didn't read the manual on how to move the ark. So, you know, we, we, we think about that. And we even joke about reading the manuals for stuff. And, you know, when it's, you know, when it's the bike or the basketball hoop or, you know, whatever it is, you know... Hey, it's, it's, it can be funny, but when it's the ark and, and you, don't, you don't follow the instructions, then your impatience can kill somebody. Let's go to the other side of the cross. Patience in the New Testament. There are two basic terms that we find in the New Testament, and both are used to mean patience, but two different points of emphasis. And we really need to get this and understand it. The first word, again, is long-suffering. And it means patience toward people. The other word is perseverance. And perseverance has more to do with patience with things and circumstances. So let's just investigate a little bit. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And as we think about these two words, I'm actually going to give you a, a third word as well as we think about long-suffering. Um, we'll, we'll get to that third word in just a minute. But this word is used to describe God's patience. And, and we, we need to think about long-suffering because long-suffering has to do with patience with people. And as we think about long-suffering as it relates to God... I mean, think about this. God doesn't need patience with a wet vac. He doesn't. And God doesn't need patience with circumstances. 
because he creates things and he orchestrates circumstances. So God doesn't need patience with circumstances. God doesn't have to look at his watch and say, where are these people? How come they don't get their act together? He doesn't need to worry about circumstances. He doesn't need to worry about things. But patience, God's patience as it relates to people is, is important. And, and so as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Well, we just, Josh just read this verse for us. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Think about God's patience as it relates to Paul. And we rewind to Acts 7. Was God patient with Saul? You bet. As those rocks were crushing Stephen's skull, and piling up on him and crushing out the last breath of life, you bet God was patient with Saul. Amen. And you know why? As an example for us. An example for those of us who are saved, well, yeah, as we think back to our own salvation and how God was patient with us, but I think also God's patience is demonstrated for us or, or presented here for us as we think about the unsaved people that we're ministering to, that we're either sowing or watering the seed. Years ago when I was pastoring in West Michigan, I had this woman in my church who came to me in tears. Her, her unsaved husband had been meeting with a guy in our church, and, and, and this man, Bill, was trying to witness to this unsaved guy, Dave. And this woman comes to me in tears. I said, Karen, what's wrong? She said, Bill made a statement to Dave yesterday that has upset him and really disturbs me. I said, what's the statement? And she said, well, Bill said to Dave, you can never be saved because you're not one of the elect. And I thought, when, when did Bill get to decide who was the elect and who wasn't? And then poor Dave, who doesn't even know what it means to be elect, you know, he's just some poor pagan that this guy's been hounding for however many months and then tells him, well, don't worry, Dave, you can't be saved. Well, Dave's good with that. But poor Karen, God's patient, and praise the Lord that God is patient, and I don't have to decide. I don't have to decide who God's going to save and who he's not going to save. I just get to sow the seed and water the seed and, and be patient, and God gets to decide all of the rest. Peter concurred with what Paul had to say. He said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But, 
is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Peter speaks of God's patience in relationship to the lost. Paul speaks of God's patience in regard to the lost. But now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and look at verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Let me just stop here at verse 10 and ask a question. We'll come back to it. What does patience look like? And maybe the best way to answer that is by asking, what does impatience act like? And perhaps those are questions that we need to ask and let the Holy Spirit kind of, you know, just work that into us a little bit. Now, just a little variation here and and perhaps a little bit of application as well. Turn over to James chapter 3. And because besides long-suffering, which was the first word I gave you, and perseverance, which, which was the second word that I gave you, there is a third word that is rarely translated patience in our Bible, but it does indicate a humble patience. And this is actually number three on your outline. We'll just skip over two for a second. Number one is long-suffering. Number two is perseverance. And look at James 3, 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, as you look at verse 17 there, let me ask you, which one of those words, which one of those qualities is the word that can be translated humble patience? Because when you look at verse 17 there, you could say, well, peaceable, that could be humble patience. Gentle, that could be humble patience. Open to reason, that, that could be humble patience. Full of mercy, good fruits, impartial. They all look good. But it's the word gentle. It's the word gentle that can be translated humble patience. Because our patience looks like gentleness. Oh, sure, it looks like mercy, too. And it looks peaceable, and it looks like it's open to reason, but it's that word gentle there. And, and so let's think about that question. What does our impatience look like? Does our impatience look like a lot like running over people? 
does our impatience look a lot like breaking things? Agitated with our circumstances? Gentle makes a lot of sense. And, and God was gentle with Saul of Tarsus. Let's go from James here and let's kind of go back to the evangelism thought again. So go over to Hebrews 12, just a couple pages. And as you turn to Hebrews 12, listen to David from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and will trust in the Lord. See, David was waiting for God. And we've seen here in a couple of these verses, God waits for the sinner. He's, he's patient and, and he's gentle. As we look at Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, again, uh, some verses Josh just alluded to, but verse 3, just the first part there, consider him, well, we don't have to look too far to see who the him is there in verse 2, looking to Jesus. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, this, this text, I understand, is dealing with our struggle with sin, but, but the point is here, notice God's patience with us. Jesus Christ endured at the hands of sinners. I incredible treatment. And, and if we want to look at circumstances that we know he didn't deserve, mistreatment that he didn't deserve, I mean, these are all circumstances that Jesus could look at and, and say, this isn't fair. The circumstances were all stacked against him, but we know, we know that it was necessary. He endured this mistreatment, this suffering, because salvation was at stake. So there's one side of this sal salvation part of patience is Jesus' patience with sinners. And our evangelism is sometimes practicing patience uh, towards sinners, patiently explaining the gospel and, and modeling the gospel. And, and you know, for, for those of you who are pastors in here, I'm sure you've had this happen to you. Uh, it's happened to me, and, and it's happened recently to me, is that someone has been faithfully ministering the gospel to a family member or a friend for who knows how long, weeks, months, years, sowing the seed, watering the seed, loving this person, caring for them, whatever, and then, then they, they'll come to me and they'll say, listen, would you talk to my family member? And I talk to their family member, and you know what happens? They get saved. It had nothing to do with me. I'm, that's not the point of this. 
We know it had everything to do with God, but here is someone who has been lovingly, gently patient with them for who knows how long, caring for them. And you know what? They just needed to hear it from someone else, I guess. Uh, there's no other explanation for it. But praise the Lord for that gentleness and that patience that the person has poured into their loved one, to their friend. And, and we think about this, uh, about pursuing a sinner's soul and, 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 and why. I, and I feel compelled because if, if, you use, if, if you get the big room, you have to say, doggone it. You know? <laughs> you know, J Josh last night, Bob, you know, doggone it. So I, I just had to throw that in there. I, I really have no reason to say doggone it, except I think I'm obligated, so... But it's, it's godly humility, and why are we patient with sinners? Because God was patient with us. And, and the realization of what all was involved in my salvation, and God's patience with me, now my humility is as patient as God was working with this sinner, or Saul of Tarsus, that now, by God's grace, I can patiently work with the Daves of the world who are absolute pagans and, and want nothing to do with the gospel and are resentful for their fact that their Christian wife has sicked some Christian guy on them to save them, and they resent it. Well, I, I can love Dave, and I can be patient with Dave. And, and by God's grace... If we love Dave and pray for Dave and, and water the seed in Dave's life, Dave gets saved. Oh, it was long after I was gone from West Michigan. But somewhere along the line, God's patience ended in mercy for Dave. And why gentleness? Because a man's soul is a fragile thing. And a man's salvation is everything. And it requires a delicate touch. Oh, I understand Jude. And there are some who are saved from fear. My oldest son was, was saved that way. In junior church, as a little boy, a, a, a message on hell scared him into heaven. And that's what Jude said. But gentleness. Now, all this is patience with people, and it's wrapped up in the word long-suffering, but let's go on to perseverance. Perseverance is patience with circumstances or things. And, and again, why isn't this word used in relationship to God? And, and this is a key statement, because God doesn't need patience with circumstances because he orchestrates them. And, and God doesn't need patience with things because he created them. Do you understand that? If you do not. No, you don't. You don't understand it yet. You might have some vague perception here in your mind, but you're, you're kidding me because if, if we understood this, if we understood patience in circumstances and patience with things, we wouldn't hop out of the car to push the crosswalk button. And you say, wait, that, that's you. Okay, 
just think for a minute here. I'm just going to throw out, have you seen What About Bob? We're going to put a little word association, okay? Uh, let me just throw a word out, and you just think about what comes to your mind relating to your patients, okay? Garage door. Your dog. The microwave. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, our church has a softball team. Well, well we all have matching uniforms. <laughs> we all have gloves and bats. Occasionally we get accused of being a softball team, but it just seems as though it always rains on Tuesday. And Novi cancels the games for that night. What is impatience? Impatience is a self-sin. I mean, that's no mystery. I mean, all sin. We make ourselves an idol. But patience is a self-sin where I am my own idol. And if since I'm my own God, I get to orchestrate circumstances. And I get to act as though I created things. So when I'm God of my own world, and not real happy with circumstances, then as God of my world, I get to act however I want. And I can yell at somebody, or I can kick the dog, or, you know, I can whatever it is. Because when we're God of our own world, then we want everybody to act the way we want them to act, and we want all the things to do exactly what things should do. And does that sound blasphemous? It should. Because we're not God, and we're not God of our own world. There is a God, our God, our Savior, who has orchestrated circumstances for a reason. I may not know that reason. Okay, you know, what, what did Noah know? Go, going back to Noah and the boat. What, what all did Noah understand about that? But certainly Job. You know, we can look at examples in Scripture of people who, who didn't quite understand why circumstances were going the way that they were going, or, or even people. I mean... Paul's whole, whole issue with Peter and, and, uh, and, and Peter confusing the Gentiles and, and all of that. Well, obviously God has a plan in that. And there were some things that needed, a meeting that needed to take place and some resolution to all of that. But, but you know, we, we think about us being our own God and us creating, you know, a world of our making. And, and that's where many of us live. So how do we spell bad circumstances? J, 
J-O-S-E-P-H, Joseph. I mean, if there was ever a guy who everything went wrong, it was Joseph. But there's no bitterness, there's no hatred, there's no kicking the dog, the butler, or the baker. There's no spirit of animosity, there's no revenge, there's no trying to wrestle God's plan for his life away from God. Well, if you're still in Hebrews, let's go back to those verses that Josh read this morning. Chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely... And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is sin that's clinging to us. And, and, and part of that sin is our impatience. And so we set that impatience aside and we run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Our endurance, our patience, our perseverance. Why? How? Well, Christ's endurance. Patience, true patience, biblical patience is linked to the cross. Our hope is grounded not only in the life of Jesus Christ or in his death and resurrection, but it's attached to his return. Our hope is grounded not only in the life of Jesus Christ or his death and resurrection, it is attached to his return. Are we getting this? Our hope is grounded not only in the life of Jesus Christ or his death and resurrection, it's attached to his return. Why is Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father? It says right there at the end of verse 2, that's, that's where he is. Sure, he's interceding for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And he will come again to receive us to himself. So go back to James. James chapter 5. So there's hope that even though people... People aren't necessarily doing what we want them to do or acting the way we want them to act. And circumstances haven't quite fallen into place the way that we want them to. There's patience at the cross. I can see it. I can learn it. I can live it. In James chapter 5, verse 7, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. That could be a long time. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives it, the early and latter rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What does impatience look like? Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And so I asked you the question, what does patience look like? And perhaps the answer to that is, what does impatience act like? And the realization that the cross being the focal point of my life and, and the cross demonstrating Christ's acceptance of bad circumstances at the hands of evil people, he demonstrated that endurance, that long-suffering, that patience. But, but what does impatience look like in your life? Let me just give you a couple passages of Scripture, and and uh, you know you, you've seen and uh, you've seen the bumper sticker. You know, my kids on the honor roll at you know Bonehead Elementary or you know whatever they are. And um, patience makes the honor roll of, of of all of the lists of good stuff. So let me give you the lists, and you can look them up. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit, and, and Galatians, uh, uh, patience makes the honor roll. Romans 12, 9 through 16 is the great one another passage of Scripture, and you know what? Patience makes the honor roll. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 says, We're not greedy, we're not consumed with self, we're not consumed with stuff, to the contradiction of Matthew 6. No, we flee that and we pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Patience makes the honor roll. So does gentleness. And there's one more, Colossians 1, 9 through 12. But turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Because of God's patience toward us, because of Jesus Christ's patience on the cross, we've been saved and we're being transformed. And all this radically impacts us and influences our patience toward people. And, you know, we've basically, you know, talked about unsaved people here as far as our evangelism, but certainly this includes our wife and our kids, and, and our neighbor. I, I live at the end of, the, of a cul-de-sac. I live at the east end of a cul-de-sac. Tuesday night, or Wednesday is trash day, so Tuesday night, everyone puts out their trash. They're recycling. There's no lid on the recycling container. And the, the other people on my street put the newspapers on top, and on a windy day, guess where they all blow? To the cul-de-sac, the end of the cul-de-sac, the east end of the cul-de-sac. So I just collect all those papers, put them in my bonfire pit, and invite them over. Let's roast marshmallows on your newspapers. God's patience with us 
And, you know, we can get angry about the newspapers blowing in our yard with our neighbor. And, and as soon as we get impatient with them and, and tell our neighbor what, what we think, we've just lost our opportunity to evangelize them. Amen. So, Ephesians 4. I want you to look at the kind of bookends here. Because you know the theology of, of uh, 1, 2, and 3, the cross we see here. But then, chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. But, but look at the other bookend, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So we have this walking a worthy walk and imitating God. Okay? And, and the context here of this is, as you go on from chapter 4, verse 1, this walking this worthy walk, we do it with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, and stop there because... Most of what we've talked about is our patience with evangelizing the lost. But now, within the context of the body of believers, how do we live? How do we live in the context of the body of believers? We live with patience. I know it's not the only thing there, but it's there. In the context of the body of believers, we live with patience. Do you know why? Unity. Because I guarantee you, if you live with impatience, you will impact the unity of the body of your church. Now, let's go home. In your home, do you, how many of you have an unsaved person living underneath your roof? Okay. Patience with them is a way that God will allow you to reach them with the gospel. Amen. And how many of you have someone who is saved living under your roof? The way, a way to preserve the unity of your home is patience. So, the next time you're sitting at a red light, pray for grace, God's grace to give you patience like Christ. Father, thank you for our opportunity to consider these simple truths from your word that we somehow, because of our selfishness, because of our idolatry of ourselves, because of making ourselves the God of our world, we just, we just really struggle with patience. And so, Lord, may your spirit 
use your word as you promised he would to teach us and give us grace to live patiently like you, like your son, so that we might reach some with the gospel and that we might preserve the unity among believers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.